Welcome to Triple Zeros. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. First and foremost, uh, we got a lot to talk about. I got to let you know, man. The NBA out of the All-Star break was a little bit sluggish. Teams have picked things back up, though the pace has gotten right back to it. So um, we're right back on schedule. But there are some teams that have been slacking and have not been holding up their end of the bargain. Now, that being said, uh, what we have seen is a few teams rise to the occasion. And one of the things that I want to kind of address first and foremost is kind of the front-runner situation, um, two of the favorites to make the, at least to their conference finals, uh, the Nets and the Clippers. And when they came together, there was a lot of conversation about the Nets being this year's Clippers, you know, uh, a group of players coming together, trying to do what LeBron has able, been able to do in, in so many locations uh, to reach the playoffs and change the fortunes of a franchise only to fall short of the end. And while I, I'm, I'm not sure if they'll win a championship, I do feel very confident in saying that they will reach the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, that is, and that they're not, they're not I don't want to say nothing like, but they're not the, the, the Clippers. They're not last year's Clippers in any, in any sense uh, of the word. And for one reason, obviously, there's three. Uh, it's a three-headed attack. Some, you know, they try to do the, the, the meme this week about uh, – a big four, which one of KD's big fours is the best. Listen, I'm not sure if you want to consider Blake part of a big four, at least not this version of Blake, right? So <laughs> it's still a big three, uh, a 3.5 maybe. Anyway, um, but with that Clippers team, there was always those those issues of chemistry. There was always the questions of uh, when when it became crunch time, who was going to get the team in the offense, when, when shots weren't falling, who's going to make sure the guys were getting easy baskets. And with this Nets team, obviously you got James Harden out there playing tremendous point guard, uh, and and Katie's been out for over a month now. Played one game since since early February, uh, but three guys in the top fifteen in uh, in scoring, and the Nets are nine and one in their last ten games. KD has not been playing. I said <laughs> he's been out over a month. Nine and one. You look at the Clippers, they're four and six in their last 10. And have uh, many of the same issues that they had last year. Uh, the, the, at least the fatal ones where they, they, they can't seem to get offense when they need it the most. Nothing easy, at least. That need for a point guard ever present. They've been linked to everybody. Uh, I'm pretty sure I heard them a bit get linked to Muggsy Bowles at one point. You just got to wonder, though, health, right? So we saw when Katie and Kyrie were out, James Harden take the team on his back. Katie's already had to miss stretch. He's coming off of an Achilles. Kyrie's missed time at multiple points throughout his career. So part of me just wonders, like, man, you just don't want to see everything go wrong, right? Because it seems like everything go is going right for the Nets. They've been able to get pieces that they feel like they needed to solidify their chances to make a run at this championship. Uh, I think they've they've shown that they can come together. Now we'll we'll see. Like I said, that point guard. Uh, the difference between them and, and the Clippers is that James Harden can actually play point guard. Um. But if they're relying on hard, is there is is he gonna wear down? Like when is it? That's the question. I think is what it's gonna come down to because 
Harden is now in a role where he's not the sole focus, right? He's still a focus. And I even saw a mention that he might be the best player. Katie's the best player. Don't, don't quit. Stop. Stop it. But you can't deny that if Harden goes down, the Nets might be in trouble because Kyrie doesn't know how to control the pace like that. You don't want KD handling the ball like that. KD's not even there to handle the ball like that right now. So you got to protect Harden. But again, he's been arguably their best player for the past month. This year, since they got him. How about that? That seems like a nice medium, right? Yeah. So I don't necessarily feel like like I said, I, I'm not ready to to to, to guarantee a Nets uh, uh, finals berth. That's that's a bit out of the realm of uh, what I'm comfortable doing right now. But as I sit here today, second in the East, um, technically tied with uh, Philadelphia, so they're they're first. They're tied for first in the East. I do wonder uh, going into tonight tonight's games, uh, Thursday night's games. I do wonder what their ceiling is. Because we've seen them have moments of bad defense and poor shot selection. They had those stretches. And Harden in the playoffs have been known to fade. So will he fade? Will KD and Kyrie be able to stay healthy? Because after being cheated last year of a, of a, of a Clippers-Lakers conference finals, damn it, I need, a upgrade. I need that plus the upgrade. So I need that and I need the, the Nets-Lakers or Clippers finals matchup. Shout out to the Bucks too for doing their thing. Giannis and them boys uh, picked up PJ Tucker, another solid piece. They got so many solid pieces, but it just never feels like they get enough. And maybe that's just because the it's Milwaukee. Uh, they are a rival of my Bulls, but also because they've shown that that's typically been their mo is that they get enough, they get pieces, they get some things, but it's just never enough to quite put them over the hump. So maybe this will be it, but I hey, who knows? It just feels like it won't be. But you could go super small and athletic and and. I mean, ultra hyper switchy, right? With with five out, you got Drew out, or yeah, you got Drew out there. You got uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis. You could put PJ, and then you could still put Brooke out there, and you still have. I mean, that's that's a more traditional lineup than I think anybody would expect. But you could run that out there, and you still have three point shooting. You could protect the paint. You could protect the perimeter. Ew, just doesn't feel like enough though, because it's Milwaukee. You just feel like they're gonna let you down. At least that's how I feel. You also have uh, Atlanta on the come up eight and two in their last ten games. Shout out to them, a team that was in a lot of turmoil earlier on in the in the year. Uh, Trey Young getting called out for dominating the game, over dominating the ball, and I get it. That team sucked, so you know he felt and he was made the face of it. He felt like he had to do it all by himself, but it's nice to see them re- rebounding. Uh, as a group, in a way. Now, they're still trying to shop John Collins, so the damage was done there. Trey already got the coach fired. I mean, <laughs> let's keep it a buck, right? Um, but it's nice to see them turning it around somewhat. We'll see what happens to the roster ultimately, but I mean, hey, baby steps. Uh, Indiana is slipping. Um, they they were a team that I was really thinking were going to be able to uh, make some noise, but they have, I think, two and eight their last ten games. Uh, a hellified slide if they were, you know, a strong team last year. Now, granted, uh, that was the bubble season, you know, and it was shortened and they came back, whatever. I, this is just a slide. I just wouldn't surprise. It's a surprise. Without them losing much, it's a surprise. 
Karis LeVert, I, it's a surprise. <laughs> it's just, I just, I'm trying to figure out how they could be. Anyway, Toronto, um, we call it that one. That's not surprising. So, um, yeah, my, my, the biggest surprise there, I think, is Atlanta making their, their surprise push here. Uh, Indiana slide, uh, but the difference, I think, in, in Brooklyn this year from the, the Clippers, which, are, which is where this whole rabbit hole kind of started, uh, is that Brooklyn has players that fit the roles you need to win a championship. You need a point guard who can set the table. James Harden can set the table. We get we you know we know him for his scoring, but James Harden can set the table. You need instant offense. All three of them are instant offense. Harden, Kyrie, and and Durant. You need an X factor. Uh, oh, uh, um, an X factor. I don't know how else to describe it other than that unknown known or that known unknown that wild card. And KD is probably the big, the best wild card there is because the 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 wild just comes in how much he's gonna score, so, the ultra hyper efficient, unguardable. Right, you need that. You need the spark plug, Kyrie, the the instant, the like I said, the the instant offense, the 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 fire starter. They had those things. They got the, the, the now paint protection. I mean, you know that's questionable, but the rest of it. They got it. It's kind of like the Bears. We'll talk about them in a minute. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see the. I don't see the comparisons just because I feel like the Nets are a much more complete team, a team that flows a lot better, and maybe was just put together better. Period. Maybe the superstars who put these teams together just knew what they were doing a little bit more than the guys over in the West Side. What side? Names to watch, and this is going to be really some, uh, some, some. Low Brasta, but I wonder what's going to happen with Chris Boucher up in Toronto. Uh, I doubt anything is going to happen here with with the Bulls, but I would like to see what a Chris Boucher guy who can get up and down the floor and def- like defend the, uh, the the protect the rim. I can't. I was mixing up phrases there. Um, and knock down with the the open three. If there's a way the Bulls could pry him loose from Toronto and get one of these bigs out of here, get a get get one of those guys out of there because. Um, as I wrote about for Pivot Ain't Easy, quite simply, the, the Bulls just aren't there yet as a roster. You have Zach Levine, who quite clearly is ready to win now. Um, he's ready to be part of a win of a contending team right now. Yesterday. But the rest of that roster, aside from the vets, obviously the veterans are the veterans are always always ready to to uh to to contribute to a winning but the rest of that young group, the rest of that core, like we were always grouping that core as four group as four guys prior to Pat Williams. It was it was Zach, Kobe, Wendell, and and uh, Lowry. Should have just been Wendell, Lowry, and Kobe, because Zach had already had a couple years on all those guys. Zach came in twenty. I wrote, again wrote about this for for Pippen ain't easy. Uh, that. While he's ready, because he came in 2014, his next senior core mate, right, is Lowry, who came in 2017. Now, I know you're probably like, man, that doesn't really make a difference. Some guys are ready at different times. It's that third. That's very true, and that's part of the problem. When you go non-linear like that, when you, I don't want to say skip steps, but basically skip steps because you brought in Zach and then tried to build around that, which I get, but you put so much youth directly around him that when he's now blossoming, those guys are still trying to get their feet wet. 
So Zach didn't take off until his fifth year in the league. Like, that's when he broke the 20-point barrier. Went through a, a position change attempt, um, devastating knee injury, two inept organizations trying to ruin his career. And look at him now. Look at, look at my boy now flourishing. Look at him. All-star. Olympic pool invite. Killing the game. Took him five years. Lowry's in year four. So, maybe it's about to happen. But, with the way that his journey to this point has gone, it's more likely that he's going to be a guy who's... See, what what... He's going to be the guy who ultimately is is this. So I've always said that maybe what we were seeing from Wendell and Lara is terms of, man, we can't get a good read on them because there's, they've been so inconsistent. Maybe that's what they are, is inconsistent. Injury prone. I, I don't like to use that because that's, you know, whatever. It is what it is. With Zach, along the way, you were seeing steady improvement. Every season, you were just seeing him grow and grow and grow and add to his game, add, build out his repertoire. With Lowry, we're seeing him regress. He's been a, a, a fearful of going to the hole. He's been hesitant to pull up and shoot, indecisive of trying to pass the ball or just order to take, you know, uh, to try to score. He's missed time a lot. <laughs> Wendell also missed time a lot. Wendell is for as good as his defense is, his 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 help defense and his I guess you call it paint protection at the rim, I it's not great. And for all the people who want to tell me that uh, and, and this is not, you know, an attack. This is just in response to people who want to, who say that, you know, you're not going to run into the, the traditional bigs every night where Wendell's going to get bodied. When it comes to crunch time or to, to, to the time that actually matters, I am, or they are, that's exactly what's going to happen. When they get to the playoffs, that's exactly who they're going to see when it matters. I'm not worried about them not facing them 82 games. I don't care. I'm worried about them facing that guy in the first round. In the second round, in the third round, like that's what that's what bothers me. So Wendell's already limited by size. You can't help that. He's not athletic as as if he was more athletic for that size, that'd be fine. But he's an okay athlete at an undersized, and on top of that, does not have a consistent outside game. I can't work with that. He's a very good player. But it doesn't fit into the, he's he's an old school player. Lowry is an enigma for all the uh, skill and ability. The 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 inability to put it all together consistently has been worrisome. The complaints about wanting change here in the new regime coming to say they got a plan dedicated to you, seeing the inconsistency still be there. Again, the injury stuff that I, I it's worrying, but I don't hold it against him per se. All these things, and and then you're due some money. They can't pay you, right? They can't pay Lowry. What do you do? You can't do that. Only one Chicago team at a time is allowed to spend stupidly. We got that. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I I like what Billy's done, but like I said, I, I talked about this roster just being in different places, five fingers instead of a fist, and they have to. Arturis Carnesovas and Mark Evans have to decide between going with the youth movement, which I think was going to end up being meaning that they have to add around Pat Williams or Pat's untouchable. Pat will be there. I has to be there regardless. That's their pick. They're invested in Pat. Pat Williams will be there, but Kobe 
Lowry, Wendell, especially after what we've seen from all three of them this season, have very good chances of not being around next season. Magic Johnson, the vet. Tomas Sadoransky, another solid vet. Garrett Temple, another solid vet. Garrett Temple uh, will actually be out uh, when they play next. But these are pieces around Zach that actually make sense. But they're not starters that they've the starting starting players that they've had to be on this team. Being on different time, I talk about this with other. You've heard this with the back. Keep bringing it back to the bench, but it's there's so many parallels. When your organization, your roster isn't on the same page, and they grow at such different rates, and I mean like where it's incomplete, they're both in such incomplete stages, right? If you're gonna do it in two different levels, it has to be one where one can, where like a genuine, the 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 upper level can teach the next generation. You can't have them be staggering where you're still teaching because you're half-assing either way you go. That's half you're half pregnant. You gotta you gotta commit one way or the other to to a rebuild or to fully developing around your pieces that you have. But that's not what we've seen. So, um, this roster is in two different timelines. AK and, and Mark Eversley have a decision to make. We'll see what they ultimately decide to do. I personally would build around Zach and try to make some run because you don't get that many players that just come around. And if you move on from them, you're going to be rebuilding for a long time because we see how that goes. And then you're the Kings. You don't want to do that. Now, my question here in, the, in this funky, funky season that is quick turnaround, shortened uh, schedule, is this the year for a dark horse team to win the championship? And honestly, all that really means is it's not an LA team and it's not a New York or it's not the Nets and it's not the the Bucks. And I, maybe you even can qualify the Bucks as um as a a dark horse team only because they're not the traditional powerhouse. Now they they've been atop the regular season standings, but we know what's happened come playoff time. Have they finally built around Giannis enough the proper way? to where he can thrive in that environment. We'll see. I doubt it. That's what made me say that earlier, is that we've just seen this movie too many times to feel like a 30-some-odd-year-old P.J. Tucker is going to be able to come and change the fortunes of that of that team in the playoffs. I don't see that. Now, I do see the potential for a team like Denver, if they can get hot again, right? We're not seeing that right now. <laughs> but if they can get hot, I can see it. Phoenix is... is now, Chris Paul, if Chris Paul was ever going to make a run for a championship, damn it, this might be the year. And I know you're probably saying, well, they still got to go through L.A. Look, if AD doesn't come back in 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 shape or get have enough time to get in shape or 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 is hobbled, bothered in any way, shape or form by that that Achilles. Listen, <laughs> Listen, because Chris Paul is an assassin. I've seen it firsthand. I've witnessed it. Part of that article that I wrote for Pivot and Ease was talking about the Bulls' 23-point loss. And in reference to that, I had to go back to the, the Phoenix game. They later blew an 18-point game. I thought about Billy talking about that in the press conference. They blow leads. Chris Paul was down 18 points with a young Phoenix Suns. I don't know how much you want to call them young. So that book is vet at this point, right? Anyway, getting, I'm getting sidetracked. The point is, if ever Chris Paul is going to make a run, for a champion, this might be the year. And the Suns sit currently in the second spot, seven and three over their last ten games, uh, creeping up on Utah, who is five and five in their last ten, and has has had moments of of looking like a team that just 
doesn't want to be there. Uh, so, nah, who knows? Who knows what ultimately happens, but I mean, man, there's the AD stuff, KD stuff, right? There's the dysfunction in LA. Who else would you favor? Who else would you feel like has a real good chance? Boston? Like I said, Denver, if Denver can get hot, that'd probably be my pick. I don't trust Utah. I don't trust, I, I just can't. I just can't do that. Maybe that's residual 96, 97 stuff, but I, I just can't do that. 97, 98, I can't do that. <laughs> Not on duty. I do wonder if a team like the Orlando Magic is willing to come off some of those other pieces. They've had devastating knee injuries with, with Jonathan Isaac and Cole Anthony. They can't. They seemingly can't give away Aaron Gordon. Vucevic is available, not available. I just wonder what teams like that in their meetings, how is the discussions about trying to, what, what are the discussions like? Are they about trying to become relevant? And what does that necessarily mean? Because I'm thinking about it, you know, as I'm sitting here saying this could be the year for Dark Horse, a Dark Horse team to take the championship, uh, take the trophy home. Are those teams even thinking that way? Are those teams even concerned with trying to win, or is it just about making the money? Because, again, I've seen, <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you a story. There are teams that are simply operating because of the revenue that it generates. And I know you said, well, duh, it's a business. Yes, yes. But there is a goal, a mission statement, if you will, on that business, and it should be to win games. But a lot of these teams just don't seem to be uh, very dedicated to that notion uh, very much, if at all, to be honest with you. And so um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I think is kind of kind of funky. Switching gears over to the NFL, and I have to warn you now, there's going to be a rant here about the Chicago Bears. Um, but I'm going to save that, and I'm going to cover some other stuff first because that is going to probably drain... The clock and me, because it's been a very trying week. Like I said, the Bulls blowing leads, right? And I mean, 23-point lead they had against the Spurs. The Spurs who were without anybody that you know. Patty Mills and Derek White. Jakob Pertl. <laughs> so, we'll get to the Bears in a moment. Free agency started around the NFL, and uh, this weekend I will be having the free agency winners and losers and I will be starting to update the mock draft before the draft comes. I gotta get that done. Um for Clogger Sports to so be on the lookout for both of those. Um the, the winners and losers will definitely be out by this weekend. I should have the uh mock draft article done by the middle of next week sometime. Just gotta find time to get it done. Anyway, um free agency frenzy frenzy opened up and real quick my favorite team is uh the New England Patriots and I know that's easy. They spent the most money. You gotta, you're just gonna like it because they spent the most money, and that's that doesn't mean that they won. And not, no, it doesn't mean that they won. And yeah, they spent a lot of money, and they blew their whole wad on day one, and like a little bit of day two. That's not why I like it. I like it because my boy Cam has a chance to have some weapons around him in a real system. I'm not sure if you're gonna actually get Cam Newton the entire season. But they resigned him, and Bill Belichick has had nothing but good things to say about Cam. And again, they put weapons around him. That's exactly what I was begging for them to do last season. 
what I was begging for Carolina to do for several seasons. Belichick saw Brady win the Super Bowl and said, well, damn that. I'm not sitting out again. Okay. I like it. Again, I fully expect him to draft a quarterback. Maybe Jamie Newman out of, uh, out of quote unquote, out of Georgia, really out of Wake Forest because he didn't play for Georgia. But Cam gets a shot at this and redemption. And they focus on the, the 12 touchdowns on the ground to his eight passing. They want to break it up because, and I'm not saying they in some kind of conspiratorial type of way. I'm just letting you know. People, when discussing Cam, try to break up his production in two categories when it should just be the production. For any other position, you would put the production together. You got total yards from scrimmage. This guy's an athlete. Okay. Why can't the production of a quarterback that happens to have amazing running ability be combined with his arms and you just... Comment on his production. Why does it have to be separate? I get it. You have to differentiate in points, but I mean the general discussion doesn't have to take it there. I'm not sure why it is that it seems that the discussion only goes that way, but I think a lot of that is why you only see those kind of players only coach that way because no one wants to marry the two aspects with the arm, with the feet. People who can run like that, maybe they got, they should have some of the best footwork, right? They should be able to work on that patience because they have that ability to get out the last second. I just, I just don't get it. I've always wanted, but that's my favorite. Um, I like what, it's easy to say that LA because they got Stafford. Green Bay got better. Tampa Bay got better because they stayed the same. In the league of attrition and turnover, they stayed the same. I like what, Arizona is doing, and I know people are judgmental because they brought in A.J. Green and, and J.J. White. And like, oh my gosh, these guys are over the hill. That's fine. They might be. And what they're going to get from Watt and Green, though, I think are going to be much better than their production. It's a, a veteran presence around a, a team that's young. Larry Fitzgerald is there in that, in that receiver room for now. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to play again. I haven't heard yet. Uh, that defense needs some veteran presence. Now, Watt has stayed healthy recently. He had had issues with that a little few years back, but he's, he's been able to stay relatively healthy. But that veteran experience, right? Guys who've been through some battles, been to the playoffs. They've been, that's the thing, playoff experience. A.J. Green didn't win a lick because his quarterback was trash. Oh, I'm hurting for it right now. That, that's pain. Um, but at the same time, they've been there. If A.J. Green can somehow figure out how to stay healthy, you got him opposite Nuke? Come on now. They added, uh, they, 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 Chandler Jones is staying there. Marcus Golden returned. I just, I, I like, I like it. I like it. Um, I did not like, and I, I have not liked necessarily what, uh, well, I guess I, I, from a Bears fan perspective, I've liked what Minnesota has done. <laughs> From an outside perspective of looking in, I, I, I don't know. Um, now, what did Ryan Fitzpatrick do to be this blessed? And you might say, how is he blessed? He's on his like, ninth team, and he's been all across the league, and he can never hold down the starting job. The fact that he keeps getting the starting job is a blessing. And it's not because he's not a good person. See, by all accounts, he seems like a really great guy. It's because the Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Fitz Magic show, almost always ends in disaster. 
the Dolphins pulled the plug last season before it could happen, so people are kind of fuzzy on how this thing goes. <laughs> but you usually get flashes, and it goes back the other direction. So he landed this job in Washington. I actually like it, but I'll love it if they actually put a quarterback behind him who can learn. I want to see. Now they they bring back Taylor Heineke. He will not be the uh, he will not be the starter. I'm not sure that he 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 might get a crack at it in camp, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be drafting a guy at some point. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But they added Curtis Samuel. They added um, oh they added a cornerback. And I, this is going to be in the article for Clocker Sports. I have to get the whole the whole list down. But I like that off season. We've seen what they've done in their front office. They've had some shaky moments still. Jason Wright himself had some shaky moments. Whatever. We're not going to get into it, all that. I like what they've done. I, I like what they've done. Um, they lost Ronald Darby, but whatever. I think when you add the ability, because the, the, one of the things that we saw out of them last season was that or one of the things that we know them for is that front four, right? But that secondary was kind of limited in what they what the what kind of coverage they could run, and so now we should see a little bit more versatility. Um, I love what the football team has done. They've added to that defense. They got uh, Curtis Samuel to go along with Terry McLaurin. There, you got uh, Antonio Gibson in the second year. This is a team that's on the rise if they can figure out the quarterback situation. Like I said, Fitzpatrick is a good stopgap guy, but he's not the long term solution there. They got to figure that out right now. This draft, um, if Justin Fields falls, great. But if Trey Lance goes, do not hesitate to pull that trigger. I know they're going to because he's going to need a lot of work because he's from North Dakota State or they're going to feel that way. I say you, you got to go for it anyway. That's why I mocked, mocked to you. So I would love to be right on that. <laughs> um, the only thing that I understand is, and as I talk about this team who has my losing, I'm about to go in the rain here. This is where we're going to end it with because I've, I've, I don't want to give too much of the article away that's coming out, again, for Clocker Sports, the winners and losers of the first wave of free agency, which is the precursor to my uh, revisit of the first-round mock draft. But the football team signed Fitzpatrick. Chicago Bears, former starting quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, signed with the Buffalo Bills for $2 million. The Bears went and signed Andy frickin' Dalton for $10 million and potentially $13 million, up to $13 million. Now, here's the thing. I've been kind of uh, calling this this shot since the end of season press conference, right? I told you that, as I wrote for Last Word in Pro Football at the time, the Bears basically told their fans, let them eat cake. They cared not what you were suffering through. They cared not what you saw. Ted Phillips sat there on the podium and told you, have we figured out the quarterback solution situation? No. Have we won enough games? No. But everything else is there. What the hell else is there? If you aren't winning games and you don't have the the key foundational piece in today's NFL to winning a championship, what what do you what else is there? What what can possibly be there? So at that point, I said they they already don't they don't care. Um, But then you started getting the buzz about. The Deshaun Watson and the Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson one never really got me going. Like I, it was exciting and I thought about it, but I didn't know why he would want to waive the no trade other than the fact that it'd be a chance to be groveled at the feet of, uh, have, have pay, Ryan Pace grovel at your feet for a while. 
Um, that didn't really, I mean, I, you know, you indulge because you want to you believe. But I didn't really think that was going to happen. The Russell Wilson speculation was different. You got the list that came from his agent. You got the, the talk of, of, disgrunt, uh, of displeasure on both sides. It wasn't just the player as it is with Watson because Watson is unhappy with how Texans organization who has made some actually solid uh, free agency moves. And I'll write about that in the article to be sure again for Locker Sports. But with Wilson, this was public. He went out of character to quote unquote to to voice his displeasure to the media. And so when that talk happened, again, they talked about moving him last year. Also, that was the big thing for me is that this was a revisitation of something that had already been discussed. So when the Bears were linked to him, as they had been linked to every other quarterback this offseason, I said, okay, wait now. This has some legs to it. Major market, blah, blah, blah. And then the other dominoes started falling again. He sent out that list as agent, which is him. Everybody that says his agent did it, not him, don't be naive. The agent's not releasing that list without Russell Wilson's approval. Let's not be silly. When that list came out, you had the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears. One by one, all those other teams made moves that took them out of the race. The Cowboys signed Dak. The uh, Raiders began dismantling their offensive line at like an insane rate. Now, they've, they've put some pieces back in place, but they, I, I mean, they traded Trent, Trent Brown away trying to save someone. I don't know what they're doing. They're kind of two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, like all in the sim, at the same time. Anyway, um, and you had the uh, the Saints signing Jameis Winston to a contract. So it seemed like, okay, hey, the Bears are kind of the, the last man standing. Then the story breaks that they offered three first-round picks and a third and two starters, and Pete Carroll at the last moment came down and said no because the deal is about to be done. And stories came out about how they are – they tried. You can't make them. You can't make another team trade their their quarterback. They're not silly. The Seahawks aren't silly. Josh Tatum's not a fool. Pete Carroll's not a fool. Here is why I have such an issue with not only how this turned out, but how people are responding to how it turned out, and how they always respond to this, and why the Bears are in the situation as it is. First of all, they're never going to change if you don't hold up accountable. Rarely does anyone change without being held accountable, and I don't see why people would think a, a billion-dollar corporation that's been making money hand over fist would do anything different. They came out and they told you that they were going to leave no stone unturned. No stone unturned. They, that was Ryan Pace. Matt Nagy came out and said that there's going to be an unprecedented quarterback movement and his, his enthusiasm. Now, granted, nothing is ever explicitly said with these guys, ever. It's always reading between the lines and you got to guess. So that way they have that plausible deniability that they can say, hey, you're, you, that's, you, that's, I don't know what you're talking about. What? So they said those things. But the fact of the matter is, Schneider met with Ryan Pace in Fargo, North Dakota. And I said this on the radio. If Schneider's there, Pete Carroll knows about that meeting. Granted, John Schneider is the GM. Pete Carroll's the head coach. But guess what? Pete Carroll is also the president of football operations. So Pete, that's why he got the veto power. Pete Carroll 
knew John Snyder was there. For that meeting to take place, and it's not like the Bears' assets are a secret. So for that meeting to take place, that means that there was something the Bears could have had. There was an amalgamation of those pieces that would have allowed the Bears to pull off this deal. The no means that they didn't offer what it was that Pete Carroll wanted. That's not trying hard enough. Because if we get to a clandestine meeting in Fargo, North Dakota, you best believe I'm walking away with the yes. You're not meeting me in secret in the middle of, in Fargo. Now, granted, they weren't just in Fargo for no reason. They were there for Trey Lance's pro day. But there's no way in hell I'm meeting you in Fargo, North Dakota, face-to-face. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting you to agree to meet me there. And I'm not getting the deal closed. Just, it's just, it's not happening. It's not happening. And then, you look at the Andy deal, the Andy Dalton stuff. And you, you see how quickly they pivoted to him. And you see how the story started flooding out about how they had tried and how they really tried. You can't blame them. They put this off where they tried. They tried. There are no participation trophies. When you tell me there's no stone unturned and you tell me that you've got to get that position right and you guys, the code, that you... It shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> like, I've seen, I've seen organizations that we've considered quote-unquote crappier for the longest time stumble upon capable quarterbacks in the past few years in, in, in the time that I've been watching football. I have not once, and you can, you, if you, you want to tell me that you think Rex Grossman was a passable quarterback, I'm going to laugh at you and walk off. We're not talking about this. I have not seen them draft a franchise quarterback ever. People who are older than me haven't seen that. Ever. Charter franchise in the NFL can't get the quarterback position right. It's so bad right now that the media in Chicago that is 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 oftentimes quick to run cover for these organizations out here. These these organizations in the in the, the third in market three operate like mom and pop shops. They are quick to run some cover because they know the guys. They've been around legacy meet, long time standing, long standing relationships. That's what happens. It's so bad now that even those guys are turning. Even those guys are calling it out, saying they don't know what the hell's going on. Secret. It had. There, there's. There's no urgency. This is long term plans. You cut Kyle Fuller. You told Akeem Hicks he can seek a trade. <laughs> Robert Quinn's still there though. That nice deal looks great, huh? I told you when they signed the Pernell McPhee part two. A couple weeks ago, I wrote that the Bears are setting themselves up for failure. And a lot of the response I got in a lot of the forums that I posted the, 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 the article in was, how are they set themselves up for failure? If Seattle doesn't trade on, they're going to blah, blah, blah. And the response I could give was, listen, you're not going to tell me that they weren't sitting here reveling in all this good pub. They were, they were loving the good vibes they were getting, man. They were loving it. And that's why when it went south and they were getting the vitriol, you saw the national guys start coming out with the, hey, they tried, they tried, they really tried. They tried. You know why you have that vitriol? Because you operate in such secrecy, such unnecessary secrecy. 
That's how you got Mitch Trubisky because you were so secretive, Ryan Pace, that you wouldn't even tell your head coach, quote unquote, for fear that he would leak it. The the head coach, I'm about to change my Twitter handle to John Fox was right. John Fox wanted Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, is embroiled in one hell of a sexual assault scandal right now. I think nine women, masseuses, claiming that he asked for, for, for inappropriate favors, even though the first text message and the supposed serious text messages um, doesn't seem very uh, um, incriminating at all. It seems extremely innocuous in, in that he even asked for her comfort level with the massage. Check it out, Pro Football Talk, whatever. Back to the track here. This, this trying to be the smartest guy in the room, that's what got John Paxson and Gar Foreman run out of town. The Bears, and I'll say, this is another thing I said on the radio, the most, most NFL franchises are run by billionaires that have other interests, other business interests. The Chicago Bears is the primary source of income for the McCaskey family. It was once described that franchises are like toys for these guys, right? Things that you can brag on. Toys. For the McCaskies, it's their their livelihood. They will always operate with that in mind, and it's always caused them to, in a cutthroat industry, favor relationships over results. Again, the man, the the 20-year connection between ownership and the front office got on that podium after a, a brutal, just just lackluster season where they snuck into the playoffs because there was an expanded field. Got up there on that podium and told you, Bears fans, have we gotten the quarterback position right? No. Have we won enough games? No. But everything else is there. George McCaskey, chairman, seems taken aback whenever anybody suggests that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace shouldn't be in the position that they're in. How are we? We're we're beyond blaming those two. It's on the McCaskies at this point. It's a sad state of affairs when a team that, again, a charter franchise of the NFL is a laughing stock. Because its general manager screwed up the most important position in the NFL and maybe all the sports. And the ownership of this organization is dense enough, obviously, to give him another another crack at it. This is clearly a long-term project here. They're not, this is not a one-and-done deal. So when they inevitably go seven and nine or worse next year. Because they're piecing out the defense while not improving the offense. Talking about their meeting with Kenny. What the hell do you be with Kenny Galladay for? Kenny Galladay don't want to go play with Andy Dalton. Allen Robinson signed his contract. Oh, he that tender. You know, Allen Robinson signed it. I would wager that he's more he's closer to getting traded than playing for the Bears by signing that tender. That that would be more logical than that's why he's. That. I just wrote the other day that there the Bears uh, again last word last word on pro football the Bears quarterback such Bears rotten fruit 
when you set a level of expectations or allow it to be set and you don't come out, they could, they could come out now and go and get a draft pick that people would have loved before all this started. But because they, they sat and let this build up and, 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 and again, benefited from it, you got to deal with the wrath. So be it. No pity. Fandom, I do. People were turning their fan cards left and right. And I say it, but it, I'm going to have, I'm going to just try to, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a sad state of affairs. Worst run organization that I've ever seen. I, again, market three. Run like a mom and pop. The Bulls do it at, all, at times too. All Chicago teams seem to have this stretch where they go through these funks. But the Bears, the Bears haven't even been able to get lucky but once in 35 years. Holy crap. 20 of those years, Ted Phillips, Ted Phillips has been there. For those last six of those years, Ryan Pace has been there. Ryan Pace has one winning season in six years as the, as the GM. They're going to let him pick another quarterback. He's about to mess it up again. Good luck, Bears fans. It's going to be a bumpy ride. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, read the stuff. Uh, last run pro football, Pippin Ain't Easy, and clockersports.com. Until the very next time, man, you already know what it is. Clockersports.